This is fucking Nick Gage, man. I'm the leader of the MDK gang, Eastern Block. Shout out to Nate Hatred, RIP Hate Club. If you ain't listening to Wrestling Cheers, I'm going to send someone to your fucking house. They're going to murder your fucking family right in front of you. So I bet you, I bet you, you better be listening to Wrestling Cheers. It's the fucking God. Taking your way in the world today takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. And welcome back to Wrestling Cheers, where everybody knows your name, especially when you are the passion. This is Wrestling Cheers. We like to talk about things going on with the independent wrestling scene. We preview shows, we review shows, and sometimes we even have interviews along the way. This on episode 200, I am honored to have on the passion, John Thorne, owner of AIW. I'm your host, Justin Summers, and Wrestling Cheers is brought to you by the Trending Topics Network and Midwest Territory. Please rate, review, and subscribe to your ever listeners' fine podcast, whether it be Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Podbean, WrestlingCheers.Podbean.com. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Facebook.com slash WrestlingCheers, Twitter.com slash WrestlingCheers, and Instagram.com slash WrestlingCheers. Email if you so choose, desire cheers at gmail.com. And we have the merch store over at watermaneuver.net. Like I said, this is the interview on episode 200 with the owner of AIW, The Passion, John Thorne. And we already have him on the line. John, how's it going this evening? It's going. I'm here where everybody knows my name, Wrestling Cheers. <laughs> Let's do it. Episode 202, and I should have had you on episode 100. I mean, if I want to get technical, I wanted to have you and Biggins on back during the Ohio Windy Report, but I never did anything back then as much. And I know I wanted to, I wanted to do something around the time of everything going on with Turner Hall, Turner's Hall. I think Biggins was for it, and then you guys decided like, ah, we're just not going to talk about it. Uh, that whole thing, like w- that whole thing, was very frustrating for us because we were really trying to, uh, you know. Uh, raise money for an organization that it turned out they didn't really want to stay open, you know? So that, that whole, that whole time was very frustrating for us. Once we realized that, uh, no matter what we did, it wasn't gonna, wasn't gonna help. It seems like as long as I've been a fan that maybe even since that point where it's always been something that's going to maybe take AIW away, or maybe there's, there's something that's going to happen that really, uh, just, really puts a bad damper on the fan base, but there's something like we're always able to come back as a whole. And that's something that I've always loved. Yeah. You know, a lot of those problems are typically venue related and, um, it's, it, it, it really is based on for how long I've been involved in wrestling in the Cleveland area. And just knowing that, you know, and I, I know I've talked about it on the AW podcast before, but there's so few venues that, are accepting of independent wrestling at this point. Like, you know, I know that there's a place right by where I live that had, uh, they had a show in 1999. And if you called and tried to rent that place right now, they would say, no, we don't allow wrestling here. Uh, That's 21 years ago. Like these, these venues hold grudges. So 
when we find a place and it goes well and it goes well for several years, it's like you kind of got to put all your eggs in the one basket sort of thing. Uh, And now, you know, what we've done in recent times is we started finding uh, alternative venues. Like you've seen uh, the expansion to Akron and us trying different things to kind of uh, forge new relationships with the venues uh, so we don't find ourselves in that situation because, uh, you know, right after Turner's Hall was Mount Carmel and the same exact thing, a couple of years of comfort and boom, we were there without w- without a home again and everything was looking very doom and gloom. So we have been trying to kind of avoid that based on how things have gone in those, you know, recent memory sort of awful venue situations. The thing that I've said too, it was almost a blessing with Turner's Hall because at the end of that run, we were we were really starting to just fill up that hall, and I don't know where we could have gone, like maybe another yeah. year in there. The thing is, is uh, you know we we really gave you know uh, to full transparency here, like we put that gimmick on that venue. That venue is not as historic as we maybe presented it and uh, created the lore behind it. Um, and once we did that, I, I think that people got very, very attached to that place. Uh, but it was really marketing on from where we were. Yes, there were some historic things that happened there, but really for the most part, those historic Cleveland All Pro shows did not take place at Turner's Hall. A lot of uh, a lot of that took place took uh, place at a place called the West Park Party Center or a place called the Variety Theater. Uh, we, we saw it as a marketing opportunity for us. Um, and in reality, it was just a very cheap place that, you know, we could, it was like an all a turnkey operation for us. So it was like a blessing in disguise for where AIW was at that point, I guess, financially, fiscally, whatever you want to call it. But, uh, once we left there, the, we really kind of morphed into something completely different for the better. And I think in retrospect, that building kind of held us back in a lot of ways from, um, from advancing at at a, at a quicker pace, I guess, at that time period. Um, because, you know, we just moved a couple blocks up the road to Mount Carmel, but it was a lot, I guess, more accepting of an area to the public eye and the crowds, doubled almost instantly from 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 turner saw i i mean i could see that because i know that there were there were times that it, like it was crazy for us fans to like we tailgated and that turner's hall parking lot like it was nothing and, yeah, and i mean it's not it's not as bad as it was like when cleveland opera was there it was very bad um but still not that great of an area either yeah but then moving it like you said like just two blocks and just not that far it, yeah, it, it changed it, it changed everything for us, and it was a very similar situation. The, the only difference was, you know, when we were at Turner's Hall, we stored everything there. We, you know, so we did have to fix some problems, and, you know, we started the school in there and things like that. But once we got to Mount Carmel, I think things really kind of started to click for us. Has a lot of, like, this stuff of the hardships now translated to handling where we are in the world with uh you know covid and wrestling and all that because it seems like as i mean it's been talked about a lot of you know the end of 2019 you know icp came to aiw and it 
oh, it seemed like 2020 was going to be a fantastic year. And then three months in, we get this shit. And I feel like it's, it's just another one of those stories where it's like, oh shit, now we have to overcome this. Um, I, I mean, I, I think if historically, you know, it, it, how the problems that we've had to deal with as AIW had definitely prepared us probably better than some places for the current pandemic era of uncertainty, you know, um, we've been pretty vocal about, yeah, we do still have bills to pay and things like that. And, um, that part is, is difficult, but I mean, it's not as bad as maybe somebody that has not had to overcome any sort of adversity as a promoter. Um, you know, we were, uh, the thing that, you know, we did coming out of Turner's hall when we started the school, we created such a infrastructure for AIW. Um, it really kind of helped to where it's made this pandemic manageable. Obviously, you know, like any business, um, you know, it, nobody's doing a lot of business right now. You know, we, we were fortunate enough to be able to do two shows during the pandemic. Um, but you know, it's, it's definitely going through all, like we were just talking these few venue problems and these different things and all these different problems AW's gone through. It has definitely helped prepare us for what we're going through right now. Um, it sucks. You know, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say it doesn't suck, but I think it sucks a little less because we were, you know, when we were coming into 2020 and we did the first show of the year was built to last. Like that was a statement for, that was like a motto for AIW going forward. And, you know, it had nothing to do with the, the, uh, you know, uh, pending pandemic that ended up happening, but, it, it it really is true, you know. We've we've been through a lot of different incarnations and a different a lot of different problems, and um, we're still here. And a lot of other promotions are not. And uh, you know that was really kind of like you said, uh, you know, 2019 with ICP and all this other. Uh, ICP is just the end of the year, but the, all of 2019 and 2018, there was a lot of big things that happened. And um, I, I just think that 2020, we were like dead set like this is going to be our year we had we, we were more organized than ever and uh you know th- that turned out to not be uh the way it went i guess the thing that i've noticed for being an aiw fan for at least the past five years it seems like <clears throat> every year is topping the previous so even like i'm saying like we ended the year with icp but there was still so much even just those those last couple months with uh everything the kevin nash within that hell on her show as a whole was so much fun. So, so awesome. And just seeing like all those people show up to that show. Then there was also earlier in the month, Ted DiBiase, but it's still just calendar year after calendar year, it gets better. And where we get to, to this point where it, it, it is a bump in the road, but it, it does seem like there are those things that were like, even things obviously I don't know about, but obviously the school has helped. I think, you know, obviously the, having the Patreon around is, has helped, uh, even uh, as, as oddly it is, like the podcast, like I think back when I first started showing up at shows, podcast wasn't like podcasting wasn't as big. I mean, there was people doing it, but not as much. I mean, that's half of the reason why the Ohio Indie Report started, because I would see people like out of town people coming to shows and tweeting about AIW. And I'm like, why don't one of us do that? And it turned into me and then turned into a podcast. And then it, here we are today. Um, I, I think, you know, uh, like it's like. 
it's like anything else, you know, it's like we learn to diversify our portfolio, so to speak, you know, like we weren't just doing shows and going home and then doing shows again in a month. We started, (coughs) we started doing, you know, the wrestling school, we started doing the podcast, we started doing Patreon, we started doing more stuff on YouTube and, um, you know, the discord and all these different things. And, um, really what it did is, you know, at first, you know, we, when we started the podcast, obviously it was a way to get our stories out there, but we saw it as a promotional, a promotional tool as well. Um, because it did help kind of cultivate our fan base. And, you know, over the years, we've seen our numbers fluctuate from big downloads to, you know, pretty steady downloads that aren't as big as they were at one time. But, we kind of see that as a positive because now we have this core group of loyal fans that they don't only just listen to the podcast. They support us in these different things, whether it's a show or a stream or whatever else. And um, it's, it's just really helped us connect with people and do, you know, just, I don't know. It like, I wish I could sit and tell you that it was a big master plan and we had this all planned to begin with and this is how it was going to go. But it's really just like about like evolving as a company, as people. Um, and, you know, I, I think one of the things that AIW has done best is, you know, we don't have this vision and this is the vision and it's take it or leave it, whatever our vision is. You know, we have been willing to um, bend a lot over the years. And, you know, no matter what my views are on wrestling or Biggins's views on wrestling were or whatever, we were always willing to not really stick. Like, you know, there's a lot of wrestling promotions that are just like, this is how it is. Take it or leave it. And, you know, my theory is, is you know, somebody's going to leave it. So we have always been willing to kind of like you know, uh, I, I guess evolve with the times and, you know, change our change course if we have to change course. And I think that mindset has ultimately been a reason why we've been able to stick around and find a way to survive and stay in business for all these years. Even like throughout the time I've, I've, I get surprises from, from you guys, whether it been, uh, one of my favorites being, I would tell Biggins all the time, like, and I know other people would too, like book Scott Steiner. I would love to see Scott Steiner here. And he would always refer back to the uh, the Jarrett promotion, uh, Global Force. He would be like, oh, like he had no uh, no line there. Like, I don't, we don't want to book him. So I mean, okay, whatever. And then like, boom, like he he eventually gets booked. And I still yeah, think I, that's I mean, fun. it's just like just like anything else. And you know, another thing that you know at those times when you're asking, <clears throat> it's not that we didn't think that uh, a guy like Scott Center wouldn't draw, but you know, financially at those times, you know, booking a guy like Scott Steiner was, was not even in the ballpark of anything that we could think about doing at certain times. So, you know, as more business came and we got more successful, we would reinvest that money and, you know, take more chances and things like that. And, you know, that's another thing that really helped us grow was, when we found a way to, you know, really properly use legends and signings and meet and greet type people, um, I think that really kind of changed the game for us as well. Yeah, I think a lot, a lot of that seemed, did seem to be a turning point. I mean, I didn't even know that the whole point that uh, maybe it it was a bunny thing, and that's just the wow, what was given to me. Which I mean, which is fine. I, I even at the end of the day, if there's a, a signing or a guest or whatever that 
you're in in planning of doing if you tell me you it's not they're not coming i'll be fine to be like be surprised because like nah, i was just we just don't want to tell you regardless i still think yeah yeah it's just you know like uh we saw like you know booking some of these big time attraction type signing people you know at a certain point in aiw we were in no position to book anybody at a at a premium tier ticket level which may sound crazy to people that are like oh well you know you booked johnny gargano on all these shows and kevin steen on all these shows but those guys were not were nowhere near high ticket guys at that that stage of their careers but you know when you're talking like scott hall scott steiner's icp this is a different this is a whole different level of uh finances i guess to, and um <clears throat> You know, maybe when you asked Biggins, when, right around Global Force time, we were not really, you know, we were not really doing too well financially. But as things went on and um, after Biggins passed away, we I really started trying to focus on making this company financially stable. Um, I saw opportunities to where we could do it and we can, you know, like I, I would weigh all these pros and cons and, you know, we we would arrive at say a, a Scott Steiner's coming to coming to AIW or something like that, <laughs> and those things would end up ultimately doing so much more for us as far as um, like a gateway drug to AIW because when when you when you bring in somebody like that, and I, I know you hardcore fans don't necessarily like this sometimes, but it brings in people that have never come to AIW before, and sometimes there's good in that and there's bad in that, but ultimately we saw it as a way to kind of build onto this foundation of all you loyal fans and continue to, to grow this company. And, uh, like I said, though, it's not a, it's not like we sat down one day and we're like, this is a definitive plan on how we're going to do this. It's just kind of an evolution and a lot of trial and error over the years. That's one stigma. I, I really hope that like us fans could get away from, I love it when new people show up to AIW because, at one point I was a new fan and I didn't really know much about anybody. And then like, even just through the years, like I'll meet people in within other communities and some of them will like talk about AIW and like, Oh, I've watched it on, on TV or, Oh, I've, I've, I went to a couple of shows and I'm just like, well, like I start to ask like, how did, how did that make you like, how was the crowd? How, like, did you feel welcome? Like, let me know. Cause like, I don't, I don't want there to be anybody not welcome to an AIW show. Cause I've heard, there's rumors and there's people who have talked throughout the years, like how bad, like there, we had that phase where there was uh, people on the internet saying like how bad AIW fans are. And I, I'm hoping that stigma has gone because I, I think we are welcoming and we, we, the shows that you guys do put on are fantastic. So I'm like, why there's no reason to like, don't say it's the, the, the shows are bad and don't say it's and the crowd. I don't think, I don't think there's a stigma, but you know, like there were definitely those times where, you know, like, uh, you know, the Barkley Nation or whatever, you know, that era, all that stuff to where it was off-putting to some of the hardcore fans. But ultimately, you know, it's, it's really just about finding different ways to bring money into the company and we could stay afloat. And, you know, uh, to bring it full circle, since, you know, we did have that great 2019 and we do have things like the Patreon and things like that. We've been able to, you know, stay pretty, pretty okay during the pandemic when, you know, a, a lot of other places haven't. And, you know, we're, we're really fortunate to have been able to be in that position to kind of survive and continue to 
kind of wait this thing out. Have there been anything from these Indiana shows that you've learned uh, that will uh, potentially transition into when Ohio opens back up when we have shows again here? I mean, the Indiana shows have definitely been a positive. I know that there's people that questioned us even doing them. And, you know, that's a debate for a different day. I, I, I see both sides of the argument. Don't get me wrong. But uh, what I've really, uh, I, I really think those Indiana shows are necessary for us to learn what to do, what not to do. And uh, obviously it's not a perfect science. There's just, there's not a perfect way to do it. But uh, I feel a lot more comfortable to when we are in the position to do it in Ohio that we can do it we can do it safely. And, um, I think that the, the two Indiana shows, the experience was absolutely invaluable for us to be able to figure out how to do it. Because if, if we would have tried to do it in Ohio cold with no experience, I, I don't know how it would have went. And I think it would have been, um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to say disastrous, but it, it was definitely, good to be able to put our crew you know our our wrestling school we have such a huge staff of people and they're all willing to to try to to figure out how to make it work and without those indiana shows i don't think that we would ever be in the position to bring a show back to the cleveland area um but you know we are and i i think we can and i think you know a lot of that depends obviously on how the pandemic continues to to grow or decline, and we're we're keeping an eye on that. But uh, I I learned a lot in in the Indiana shows, and I'm I'm happy that we were able to do them. But uh, you know, obviously, uh, a lot has changed since you know the first Indiana show. You know, we've seen the pandemic numbers go up quite a bit right now. So uh, it's just kind of you know it, it, it's a it's a weird time. It's pandemic era pro wrestling is just a very kind of it's ever changing and it's a it's a very difficult difficult situ- situation to kind of navigate through yeah because i think another thing too is if dan if you do damn if you don't i understand from hearing from companies and everything of why some of them need to run and all that kind of stuff but then if you do run you're doing all the precautions and i've, I've seen the the criticisms online and it's it's i think it's it's not necessarily needed but hey if that's what that person what, what wants I will to do. say is, you know, like everybody else, I was getting very antsy, you know, as this, I was sitting at home just like everybody else was all these months and working sporadically. And, you know, you do nothing socially. You, you're just kind of confined to your house and you can go to the grocery store. So I was getting very antsy. I was getting very stir crazy cabin fever, whatever you want to call it. I am glad that I got it out of my system. Um, cause now that I've done it and we did it and, you know, we had that month and a half where there were two AIW shows, <clears throat> I feel like I can go back and wait another six months again or whatever you want to call it if I have to. But, um, you know, I was just like everybody else, whether it's selfish or whatever you want to call it. I was feeling that cabin fever, you know, like I was getting beat down kind of mentally with this, just having nothing to do and um, the opportunity presented itself and I jumped at it. And um, you know, when we did the one in September, the collective was, you know, that wasn't even, that wasn't even planned. We were looking at the, the one in September as the 
probably going to be the only, you know, show again in 2020. And then the collective thing came together very quickly and just kind of riding the wave of how well September went. We, we jumped right in on that. And, um, yeah, it was just not, now I kind of got it out of my system and, um, you know, maybe that's wrong. I don't know, but, uh, I, I feel like now I can kind of relax a little bit and it, I don't know. It was just weird. You know, like it, I think this pandemic has affected everybody differently mentally. And I was just like, I don't know. I was in that mode where I was just like, I felt like I had to do an AIW show. I felt like, you know, this was the longest stretch of my pretty much adult life that I haven't done anything wrestling related. And, uh, I did it and, you know, we learned a lot from it and now I feel like I can, I could go back and I can wait another, you know, four or five, six months if we have to, to do another one. Yeah. It seems like, um, even us fans were clamoring for something. I mean, if you even look at it, the fact of, you know, we were having at minimum one show a month and I know there's obviously, uh, the jail at weekend, that's two shows. And then we do have random months throughout the year where there's two shows. So we went from having at least one show a month to nothing. And there, there's something that, that says about this community as a whole, where we were all kind of striving for it, even to the fact of prop, not obviously plan, but a handful of us, you know, went out to the toy, Ohio toy show and it was almost kind of like AIW, but we weren't obviously going for wrestling and we just bumped into each other. And that was it. And you know, it's funny that you said that because I've would have never probably gone to that ever, but uh, you know, I've known Tom Tom Troll for a long time, rest in peace. And, uh, you know, I, I saw that it was going on. And I'm not a, a big toy person or whatever, but just the fact that there was nothing going on, I was like, I'm going to go just to get out of my house. I'm going to just drive there and go. And I saw that it, there was a very nice amount of people there and everyone was wearing their masks and, uh, you know, so, social distancing as much as they could. And everything seemed to be going so smoothly and everyone was just like so chill and cool about the mask thing. And I was just like, you know, that kind of got the wheels turning for me to be like, we gotta do, we gotta do something because, um, if you know, this many people want to come out for toys, people there, there's more people that feel like me that want to get out and do something. And like I said, that might be the wrong mentality i understand that i accept that if people disagree with it i see your side of it but i I don't know that that whole thing just got me thinking and um you know i saw that you know obviously gcw and other places had been doing shows and they kind of had worked out the kinks as much as possible to to be able to do stuff and i i just thought it was i've been optimistic as much as possible through this whole pandemic that things are going to work out and uh i don't know i just i just felt the need to jump at that opportunity to do that show in september and you know obviously from there we we did the show in in october as well and you know that one had obviously you know differing opinions and outcomes and things like that but um i it, it it's it it's been a crazy 2020 you know, like, and I still stand by that AIW is built to last mantra. I agree. And I think when uh, everything's said and done, that's probably going to show. And we'll, we'll go back to as normal as we can. And I mean, that's kind of what 
what I'm looking forward to. I'm not expecting it to be with the next couple of months or whenever it is, though. Uh, I think uh, I think it's going to be great. And, you know, I, I know that I said this in the discord, but, you know, we were we did have a plan to <laughs> to come back to Cleveland and um, we were just, you know, riding that momentum coming out of those two two shows in Indiana. And uh, I, I just decided that it's pro- it's probably not not the right time to do it. You know, as it's kind of like that, you know, that read the room thing or whatever that's saying. It's just like, you know, as much as I want to do this, as much as I, I feel the support will be there. You know, let's just let's go back on the bench and and, and wait this one out a little more. Um, you know, when especially in Ohio, the the numbers seem to be getting pretty pretty crazy right now. Um, so I I just felt like like I said, I got it out of my system. We did those two in Indiana. Now we have you know all this uncertainty coming up and the holidays and all this other stuff. I just figured, you know, you know what, like let's just let's just call it quits for, for the rest of the year. And let's see, you know, what the situation's like in January or February again, and maybe we'll be in a little bit better of, of a position. All right. I didn't want to take up too much time on AIW, but this is episode 200. You're John Thorne. The main thing we cover is AIW. I tell people all the time that I told you, I'll talk about AIW all (laughs) night if you want. But the the way I look at it as, and I've I've told people like AIW is my bread and butter. That's what this podcast mainly covers, and uh, I'm proud to have you know this type of product in my backyard, and and to be able to cover it. But I don't like doing interviews where I'm just talking about wrestling. It happens from time to time. But uh, one thing, Thorn, that I know you're a huge fan of, and you've talked a little bit about it. Maybe we can go into it more. Uh, horror movies. You are a huge horror movie buff. I am. Uh, I mean, I, I'm. I guess I'm. I'm. I don't know if I'm huge. Uh, I'm definitely well versed in in certain horror movies. Uh, I think Stacy Silvers can can school me in quite a bit of uh, facts. Uh, I've appeared <laughs> on his podcast a few times. Super fantastic to just talk no wrestling at all. We just talk movies. Uh, but uh, yeah, I do enjoy a good horror movie. It is October as we are recording this. But uh, what do you what do you want to talk about? I mean, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I, I don't think I'm I'm not the expert. Maybe you've just built me up to be. But uh, I know some stuff. Well, you're more of an expert than I am. I didn't really start getting into horror movies. And I mean, I've, I've watched horror movies throughout my life, but like rare. My favorite. And I've, I said in the AIW discord today, like my one of my favorite series is Saul. And that was kind of my pinnacle of getting into horror movies up until last year when I was like, Hey, let me actually watch some of these movies that I keep hearing about, and like people have always talked about. Be, that would be a good gateway drug, so to speak, I guess, for like a modern, you know, person, like a, a person that get introduced to horror in these, you know, the last twenty years or so. Well, it's kind of like when I, I've talked to Stacy, which I don't know, we, we this was on a microphone or not, but we were talking about uh, like Friday the Thirteenth. The only Friday the 13th movie I watched as a kid was Jason Goes to Hell. And when I told that to him, he was like, oh, then like you didn't even like your first Jason movie really wasn't even Jason. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I, that's I, a weird one. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I watched that as like I said, as a kid. And to me, that was the introduction. But I, I remember always kind of liking Jason. Yeah. So um, two things. One, when you probably, you know, this you probably weren't even introduced to the saw movies at this point but 
early on in the Saw franchise, the Cinemark movie theater chain would like run, they would run a marathon until, you know, the, the a midnight showing of whatever the newest one was. So it's like, I think like up until four or five. So you could go and you just bought one ticket and you could sit there all day and watch all of them in a row until the new one. I, I don't even remember how many Saw movies there are. But I know that I did this at least two years in a row. And it was like with my roommates at the time. And it would, you know, it was a pretty long day. So I want to say at least up to four of the Saw movies, you would be able to go to Cinemark the day of the opening day of whatever the newest one was. And they would run a marathon all the way up into it. Um, Friday the 13th is a similar story for me uh, without the... um, Jason goes to hell. Obviously, I think I'm a little bit older than you. I'm not sure, but I got introduced, uh, and the one that I saw the most was uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Six: Jason Lives, which is my favorite one in turn, probably because of that. But it was always on Channel Forty Three or uh, like a Big Chuck and Little John, like these local Cleveland TV stations that would just show edited horror movies randomly whenever um and for some reason i always remember part six being on and i didn't know it was a part six I, I just knew it was a guy named jason um in a hockey mask and from there you know obviously i would find seek out different ones and start putting the franchise thing together but uh that's kind of my story is discovering that discovering horror movies uh mainly friday the 13th on like just basic Cleveland television. I think the only horror movie I remember watching as a kid on television, and I think it was because they might have played it a lot on USA, was uh, Child's Play. So that movie actually was one that I was absolutely terrified of as a kid because I, I remember this vividly. My parents rented that from the video store or whatever, and I don't know, I'm probably four or five years old who knows and i remember sneaking out of my room and like peeking my head over the couch to see what they were watching and i was terrified of that doll for years uh as like a five six seven eight year old um i was so scared of that my entire life i'll never forget that when bride of chucky came out Myself and Matt Matt Wadsworth went to go see that at the theater together, and we were both a little nervous, and we're both in our later teens at this point, and uh, we were so relieved when we were watching the movie, and it turned out to be a comedy film. I mean, it seems like certain uh, horror franchises kind of turned into that, like that one and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. uh, So I think I like I. I don't really attribute Nightmare on Elm Street to uh, being a comedy so much as I do it kind of being like MTV'd, I guess, so to speak. Like Nightmare on Elm Street 4, I feel like that's like the epitome of the MTV generation, like late 80s, um, sort of like uh, Freddy Krueger is a pop culture icon at that point. It's, It's not the point isn't really to scare people anymore. And I think maybe I've said this on Stacy's podcast. You did, but um, <laughs> I, they kind of like turn into like superheroes at a certain point of the franchise, and they're almost like uh, they're they're almost like who you're rooting for, 
You know, you're not scared of Jason, you know, when you're so far deep into the franchise or Freddy Krueger. It's kind of like, you know, uh, these are your superheroes that you're you're kind of cheering on. The Friday the 13th one, I'm not very deep in. I've seen, like I said, I've seen Jason Goes to Hell revisited that one last year because I wanted to see if I remembered any bit of it. And I kind of remembered I saw uh, Freddy versus Jason when it came out because that was like a huge thing. But then it was People like, hate that movie. I love that movie. People hate it, but I love it. It's it's like the early 2000s horror movies that like I did wasn't huge into. So I I don't hate it. But I, when I watched, I was like, yeah, this is this is early 2000s. I, I remember all these movies like this, which, right. like I said, not a not a dig at them. But uh, <laughs> I like, liked it just because Freddy versus Jason was the thing that was just like rumored for like 20 years, like in yeah. the infancy of the Internet. Um Another one I saw at Matt Wadsworth. We saw it back to back at two different theaters the night it came out. We were so excited for that movie. Matt Wadsworth is also kind of a closet horror movie guy uh, of those big franchises that nobody nobody would suspect that of him. I don't think, but uh, he's very uh, very well versed in this stuff as well. I did not know that. He, he like like you said, he doesn't really seem to be a that you would think he's a horror movie. Uh, he, like he's, he, he introduced me to a lot of these movies. He had a uh, he had a teenage job as a, working at Blockbuster Video, so okay. he would get free movie rentals all the time, and uh, we would just be like, okay, we're gonna watch all the Friday the Thirteenth or all the Nightmare on Elm Streets, and he would just you know I just hang out at his house and we'd watch horror movies. But I've only seen of the original now. Uh, we just watched three, which so far has been my favorite but i want i want to keep going the only spoiler that i've had is i know one of them like it's not jason i don't know which one it is but i i already know i could tell because of the mask because he has the the blue marks instead of the red so other oh, than other so than I, that i, I don't know what I, just, I actually watched that one this uh last week i just got the big blu-ray collector's edition friday the 13th at like uh, 20 disc i don't know it's something something crazy it was a lot of money i <laughs> i spent but um yeah i i so i like you know obviously i like the you know the the major the major players which are uh halloween michael myers uh jason friday the 13th and um nightmare on elm street you know there's a lot of obscure stuff that like true blue like horror movie buffs probably really enjoy i'm not very well versed in obscure stuff to be perfectly honest with you, but I, I've seen a lot of stuff. Um, but I, I really like, obviously, you know, those three major, you know, major franchise players. Where are you on Halloween three? I love it. <laughs> I love it. I, I've, I've been speaking, uh, I've been, you know, uh, speaking the praises of Halloween three for the better part of, I don't know, my entire adult life. <laughs> I think, um, but I think, I think what makes Halloween three work is the fact that so many people, it, it's such like a, I don't know what the word is, it, like a hot button topic. I don't know what you want to call it. Like, I, I think that's what makes it work. And it's, it, it's, I, I don't know that it's that talked about of a movie if it's not Halloween three, although, you know, I think it is a good movie on its own. I think the kind of lore that it is Halloween three and it is kind of thrown into the the Halloween franchise. I think that's kind of what has 
made it rise to prominence. And especially in recent years, it seems to have like really found its audience through the internet. Um, but I, I, I love it. I think it's ridiculous. I understand why people hate it. Uh, and they only hate it because it's called Halloween three. That's the only reason why, but I think, uh, I, I, I love it. Yeah. That was one that I, uh, again, introduced to last year. Cause it was, I'd always heard this like hype about it. I'm like, all right, let's, let's check it out. I loved it. My fiance hated it. And, but I told her, I'm like, well, this is going to be like my yearly movie. Like you want to watch nightmare before Christmas, every Halloween. Well, this is going to be my movie that I pick because I, I love just like even that, the song for that commercial, because it doesn't fit Halloween, like actual, like of Halloween to me, I'll make that kind of makes it really interesting. And then, uh, Tom Atkins, that was the, my first movie I've seen with him. And then like the, the list, oh, that, you got to see night of the creeps. If you haven't, if that's not uh, been on your list, you have to see night of the creeps. That's like the best Tom Atkins horror genre movie ever. But I love Tom Atkins. I went and met him at cinema wasteland a couple of years ago. And, uh, uh, you know, I like, I'm not really big on like, I'm buying the, buying the photo op and the eight by 10, but I did it because Tom Atkins is the fucking man. And, uh, he's great in Halloween three. He's night of the creeps is another one of those movies that I saw at some point when I was, uh, a young guy, probably on basic cable or something. And that is also a Tom Atkins movie, which it is absolutely ridiculous. Um, about like these alien leeches mm-hmm. that uh, take over uh, a high school or a college a- a campus. I can't, you know, I can't remember. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's, I'm pretty sure it's high school age, but uh, it is excellent. You have to, you have to seek out night of the creeps. A uh, fun story about that. My list that I have this year, unlike unknowingly, I actually listed four Tom Atkins movies in a row. And one of them was Night of the Creeps. It was The Fog, Creep Show, Maniac Cop, and Night of the Creeps. The only one of those four I haven't watched yet this year is uh, The Fog. And that's because I went to my local exchange and they only had the remake. So I am, I'm not, I'm I'm kind not of crazy about it. The Fog. Uh, um, you know, it's just, to me, it's just not something I'm crazy about. I rewatched it whenever I did uh, Stacy's podcast about John Carpenter. Yeah. <clears throat> not crazy about it. Uh, Maniac Cop is is excellent i love mm-hmm. maniac cop um and what was the other one night of the creeps right uh well creep show right? as well as night of the creeps <laughs> creep show is okay i'm not crazy about anthology horror um i think you know trick or treat is th- the best when it comes to that sort of thing but uh you know creep show I-, I get why people like it i think i like creep show because it reminded me of tales from the crypt and basically creep show was a homage to the tales from the crypt and a lot of the other uh horror comics like that so basically it in a way paved the way for them to make the show so i was like all right i can i can dig that you know that uh i don't know you probably don't have shutter but shutter i do and i think it's on amc now they they made a creep show tv show for shutter yeah i want to i want to watch that i we subscribe to shutter just to watch maniac cop and now i'm like well i want to watch all the other maniac cops on here and i want to watch uh all the creep shows and then try to watch the tv show just because you gotta watch so you good. gotta watch you gotta watch uh the last driving with joe bob briggs on shutter you'll you'll discover a lot of weird obscure movies you'll probably never watch again that's that's how i discovered so many horror movies as a kid too when i was a kid 
Joe Bob Briggs had a show on TNT uh, called Monster Vision, and he would show, you know, a double or triple feature of just, you know, edited horror movies on TNT. And also on USA, they they had their own version. It was called Up All Night. Mm. And it was uh, it was hosted by Gilbert Gottfried for a while and also Rhonda Shear. And they would also they would show horror movies or, you know, just obscure, weird movies, too. Not necessarily always horror, but. That's how that's how I found uh, like so many movies as a kid. I think uh, one thing that I've liked doing too, and I'm I like the only benefit of having the the pandemic right now is like a lot of the drive-ins are doing kind of cool stuff. Like it was a couple months ago, I watched Evil Dead one and two at the drive-in, and to me, that's that was that's so a, fun. That's that's pretty cool. Um, the drive-in by kind of by me in North Ridgeville every year they do. The retro Halloween marathon, which I didn't, I didn't go this year because I wasn't super crazy about the lineup. But they just had it last weekend, and um, I've gone to that a bunch of times. And they do, they'll do a four movie marathon, some one weekend in October. And uh, you know, that's that's what I love too is just going to a drive-in and watching an old horror movie. I don't think there's anything better better to do than that, honestly. Besides doing a wrestling show. It's half the reason why I want to go to the Mahoning uh, drive-in. Just well, like I, I watched that I've documentary. Seen, it was so good. I've seen a lot of. Um, I've seen like a lot of drive-ins have been doing like a lot of cool, like gimmicky things with horror movies and things like that, <laughs> which is it, it's awesome. I mean, I think everyone should go to the drive-in a couple times a summer. The one in Barberton I just seen today. They're doing a triple feature of three Universal monsters. Uh, Dracula, Frankenstein, and the Wolfman. To me, I was like, "That's you don't get as like as retro as like those three. Yeah, like uh, this weekend, I, I actually was thinking I might try to go. Um, they're driving by me. They're doing a Halloween one and two as a double feature on actual Halloween night, which I think sounds pretty pretty cool. I don't know. I've seen those movies a million times, but I've never seen them at the drive-in on Halloween night. So I think I might have to do it. I didn't know how I felt about Halloween two. Like I just watched that and I was like, I kind of see why they went the route that they did with uh, the newer timeline. It's just, I don't know. Some, oh, Halloween, off to me. Halloween's been like restarted and retconned and yeah. all that like a, a zillion times. So like, it's really hard to enjoy the franchise as a whole because like the story has started and stopped so much. And, um, but uh, I like I, I like the hospital setting in Halloween too. I'm you know I'm a fan of it. Uh, it's obviously not as you know classic, I guess, so to speak, as the original Halloween. But I like Halloween too. I, I I think you know I don't know I like it's hard for me to dislike really any of the movies in the big franchises. Like none of them are going to be perfect, but I also don't really hate them either. You know what I mean? What about some of the uh, remakes that they've done with Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street? So um, I thought that the Friday the 13th remake was pretty well done. Uh, I I liked it. I wasn't crazy about the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Um, just because it's, you know, it, it's really hard to replace Robert England. Um, he's, you know, he was made to, he, he was born to do that part. Um and I thought that the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street, the story was a little rushed at times. And uh, I just wasn't crazy about the pacing. But I understand what they were trying to do. 
it's just not one that I will actively go and rewatch, you know, like I just, uh, I'm not crazy about it, but I also didn't hate it. I, I liked some, I, I like some parts of it, but, um, I, if you're comparing the two, uh, the Friday the 13th remake, I thought was a million times better. I saw both of them in the theater. I don't remember as much from the Friday the 13th remake, but the thing that I actually really liked about the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, and it's the probably the only real positive I can say, is that version of Freddy actually seemed really creepy. And I think for yeah. what that character is supposed to be made more sense. Other than that, it's just, it does kind of go with, uh, yeah, we're all used to Robert England, and no matter what, we're just going to compare him to Robert England. Right. Um, yeah, and I get what they were doing. They were going for, like, realistic burns and... Um, things like that i just i don't know i, I thought the friday the 13th was better friday, the friday the 13th is like it's like a remake of the first like three they they go like through one two and three very very quickly to get them into the hockey mask but um i thought all in all it was good i thought that they were going to do a lot more with the rebooted franchise and it just never happened yeah i'm not part of me thinks they're not going to go back to it i don't it, well, it's, it's in they're in like a middle of a big crazy lawsuit for years over trademarks and rights and stuff like that. So that's why there hasn't been anything in a long time. And I'm kind of like, I guess I, I guess like after 30 years or something, the rights revert back to the original writer. There's some sort of copyright law or trademark law or something. Mm -hmm. So the writer, the, the original writer and the original producer are, have been like in this crazy long civil court battle on who can do what with the, with the franchise. I'm That's why that game, like they made that game for PS4 or yeah, PS4. And that's why like, it just stopped out of nowhere because it got kind of entangled in this lawsuit too. I guess that makes sense. I'm kind of upset. I didn't pick up the, the Blu-ray set, but it was only because like last year, what was it? I think I bought a DVD set. It had all of the, uh, all the, Friday the 13th movies going up to right before Jason goes to hell. And then I just bought the other, the rest digitally. I've, I've bought these movies on so, so many different times, so many different formats. I pro I know that I probably have every Friday the 13th somewhere in my house on DVD, but I still bought the Blu-ray set. I bought the stupid 15 hour documentary thing that came out a couple years ago uh crystal lake memoirs i think it's called i don't know like it, it, i always you know i'm a sucker for a, a box set and uh i got that i have the halloween one as well i actually don't have a nightmare on elm street blu-ray set uh matt wadsworth was asking me to borrow the nightmare on elm street dvds and i have no idea where they are but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just always end up buying these movies over and over and over again. It's such a waste of money, but I don't know. It's just what I do, I guess. With me just recently rebuying or re-getting a VCR, I kind of want to watch some old horror movies on VHS. And I've even contemplated on buying some of the older box sets or some of the older copies of like some of these franchises. Like I know there's there's a VHS box set of all the... Uh, Nightmare on Elm Streets, and it's almost oh, similar sure. to to the DVD set, where like you see, it's like if you put them all together, it's it's Freddy. Yep, 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 yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, I just buy them. I just always end up buying them over and over again. I don't know. It's just, uh, and then I never like 
I've only made it halfway through the new Friday the 13th set, even though I've seen them all a million times. As soon as I got in the mail, I just started rewatching them again. Yeah, I, going back to uh, Night of the Creeps, I did have to obviously check that out because it was an AIW show, too. Yeah, I mean, I love Night of the Creeps. I, I think that's a, a very just, I don't know, great, obscure 80s movie. Like, I don't even know. That's the thing about a lot of these movies is I don't even know if any of them are like were even meant to be scary, honestly. <laughs> like, I don't know what is scary about Night of the Creeps. I just think it's a ridiculous movie. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I love Night of the Creeps. Like, I know we were talking in the AIW Discord today about, like, really scary movies. And I, I don't think that I would put Night of the Creeps on that list. Oh, no. That's, that's what kind of set me away from horror movies because I always thought like, okay, you're supposed to be scared. And I'm not really scared of horror movies. The last one that I like as a kid that kind of shook me. And when I, most people, when I tell them this horror movie, they're like, I don't even know what that movie is. And that's the mangler. Is, is Robert England in that? Yes, he is. (laughs) That's what I, I don't know if I ever saw that. I remember seeing the trailer for that as a kid though. I don't remember seeing anything for it as a kid. And then like randomly one day, like we had direct TV and my dad likes he buys it and I'm like, okay, we're going to watch this. And for like, cause it's basically this, uh, machine kind of machine, right? Yeah. It's like a a laundry press and then it gets some, gets some blood in it. And so it like partially comes alive. And like, for some reason, I like, as a kid, like that really scared me. Like I wasn't scared of machines, but I just remember watching that movie. Like, Oh my God, like I'm, Oh, what the fuck? But I mean, for me, it was child's play that, that scared me as a kid. And I think, uh, you know, it's not very rewatchable for me, but I think the first time anybody saw The Exorcist, that that scared them. I I'd find it hard to believe that the first time someone saw that movie, they like they weren't terrified of what was going on. I wasn't terrified. Really? That I, movie just terrified, terrified me. But I also probably saw it when I was like eight years old or something, you know, like <clears throat> I definitely saw it at an age I probably shouldn't have seen it at. But it was... I thought that was that movie was terrifying to me. I saw it at an older age. I don't remember the exact age, but I remember I think it came on television. So that might have with commercial breaks, it might have like really broke it up for me. But I remember my dad being like, oh, this is like a really scary movie. And I'm like, OK. And then I watch it. I'm just kind of like, OK, like for some reason that didn't scare me. But I haven't watched it since. And that's on my list of like a movie that I want to revisit. It's like maybe as a kid, I didn't have the appreciation for it or I don't know. Maybe it was to a point of like, I had seen things that were scarier and for some reason it didn't get me, but I want to get, I want to give it a second chance. I don't know. I think religion is just terrifying and like <laughs> all that stuff, like church and the devil and God. I don't know. It just creeps me out, man. And, uh, that just scared me as a scared me as a youngster. So you didn't watch the nun. I have not watched <laughs> the nun. No, I'm not like, I, I, have not seen a ton of like that modern horror stuff. Like, um, very, very rarely have I, have I seen a lot of, a lot of that stuff. I just watched midsummer midsummer. Yeah. The other day. Me too. I mean, that was super weird. I don't, I don't know what was going on in that movie, but, uh, yeah, I've definitely never seen the nun or like Annabelle or any of that. I've not seen really any of that stuff. What about hereditary? I stick to the classics. I've not seen that either. No, I heard uh, Dom Greeny told me I should see that, but then 
Wes Barkley told me that it almost made him throw up. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I, I don't know about either of those two reviews. Um, I liked it. It's it's a little bit like Midsummer or Mid Midsummer. I keep calling it Midsummer because that's the way I, I don't know it's if it's Midsummer, Midsummer. I don't know how the fuck to say it. But in the movie they say movie, Midsummer. It was, it was so it was so fucking long. And it was just weird. And uh, I'm not a drug guy, and I feel like you gotta do drugs to enjoy that movie. Yeah, that's that's what I what I've been told. And I told I've been told that there's parts of that movie that it is an accurate representation of what it's like to be on acid. Not my bag, man. I don't know. <laughs> never been on acid. I don't know. I don't know what it's like. I was just like, man, this movie is never gonna fucking end. I'm just I'm just going with their word on it. But like back to Hereditary, like the, the, I think the movies are similar. But I feel Hereditary is a bigger mind fuck, and really up until the last like maybe fifteen minutes, you're trying to figure out what's going on. Like there's there's things that you know, but like, there's a couple like r- random twists in or turns in the movie. I don't call them twists; they're actually like turns, like things you don't see coming. And then it all gets explained at the end. And I know people who uh, end up like turning it off at a certain point because they're just like, ah, oh, I, I couldn't get into it, blah blah blah. But I wouldn't okay, there's certain things I'm noticing that they're not explaining and I'm going to wait until they explain it. They don't really explain that stuff till the end. And like I said, I think it's a mindfuck. You might like it, but there are some parts. I probably know what Wes is referring to. There is one part. It's one of the turns that it's kind of like, oh, fuck. And it does get a little, I want to say a little graphic, a little disgusting. Yeah, I almost watched it the other day, but then I decided to watch uh, Friday the 13th part five on (laughs) Blu-ray instead. Stick with the classics. Stick with the classics. Yeah, I'm just not, I don't know. I, I stick. It's just like it, around Halloween time. I just want to watch the, the classic movies that I've really enjoyed. And I don't know, like I'm not, I'm not seeking out too many new, uh, too many new hits during the October season. I like sticking to the classics. I think that's the thing with me, with me not being as, as well versed as to where I can you, walk. You could, like, it's all new for you yeah. or a lot of it's new for you. So, I mean, there's, you got a lot of catching up to do. So that's, under, that's understandable. Like t- turning on Sleepaway Camp for the first time and getting to the end and being like, holy fuck, that was a crazy fucking movie. <laughs> like, I mean, I think that's like, like uh, Sleepaway Camp is, I guess, important for like how it ends. It's very shocking, especially for the time. Ultimately though, I don't think it's that good of a movie. Uh, I think it's very low budget and we like weird, but uh, I, I understand why it was, why it's so kind of like held in high regard, especially that ending is just like a total mind fuck. But uh, I'm not crazy about sleepaway camp. I, I do remember like there's a sleepaway camp, maybe like three or something. I always remember I was always intrigued by it at the video store as a kid because like, she's got like a backpack on with like a Freddy glove and a hockey mask. And, uh, I was always like, what's, what's going on with this movie? You know, but, uh, I never, uh, I don't think I've, I've still uh, never sought out sleep away camp three. I've been told that the series is fun, but it's, I don't think it's at the top of my list of like movies that I want to, or franchises I want to dig into. I got to do like dig into a lot of the movies that you talked about, like getting with the Michael Myers, the Freddy, the Jasons. I want to revisit what I've seen of child's play. Cause I think I saw those, like I said, as a kid on a USA marathon. So take that with what you will. Cause it was on television. There was commercials. I don't, I don't remember it as much. And then I, I don't think I've seen anything past the, the bride of Chucky or even the bride of Chucky. Yeah. Uh, 
man, <laughs> it's there's there's a lot there's a lot of twists and turns in the in the Child's Play series, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I think the I, I think they're all fine, you know, and especially the the newer um, Child's Play movies that they've come out with in the last year or two, like Curse of Chucky, I think it's called. And I think maybe there's another one that's that's newer. Those, those were both pretty good and well done as well. So a cult of Chucky, uh, but you know, like you, you you know what you're signing up for too at the same time, if that makes sense. Well, you've talked about the remakes for those two, uh, the other movies. What did you think of the remake a uh, reboot of uh, Child's Play? Um, I think if that movie wasn't called Child's Play, kind of similar to Halloween. I think that it would have been much more well received. Um, I thought the concept was very interesting. I thought it was, you know, it was a good modern take. But uh, I think that, uh, you know, like it was doomed because it was called Child's Play, especially with the original fran- like Child's Play is a weird situation where the original franchise is still going on, and then they also made this reboot. You know, it's like this weird <laughs> rights thing where like. The guy that created it is continuing with the original franchise and the original story, and then Universal decided to reboot it. And I think that if it was called anything else besides Child's Play, people would have loved that movie. But I think since it was called Child's Play, people counted it out before they even saw it, if that makes sense. But uh, with that said, I liked it. I don't know that I'll watch it a ton of times in my lifetime. You know, it's not as iconic as the original child's play, but, um, I thought it was well done. The what, main thing that I loved about it. And I, outside of Mark Hamill, cause I, I felt like he, he did play a really good, creepy voice for Chucky, especially like, uh, towards the end. But I like the backstory more for this Chucky. I like the fact that like, Oh, it was a, it was a programmer who got fired and he was, he decided this is how he was going to get back before he, uh, to the company before he committed suicide. Yeah, I thought that like I thought that the story was very well done. Like I said, if it was called anything else with Child's Play, people would have been like, "This movie is a classic." But it's 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 weird when you do these remakes and these things that have such fanfare. It's almost like you're gonna you're you're gonna turn off a lot of fans if that makes sense. They're they're still gonna go watch it, but they're not going to kind of champion the pro the the project like um, maybe it deserved to be because i thought that you know the the whole story how they updated it i i thought that it was all very well done i think that the ironic thing too is i feel like some of the best horror movies are remakes but the movies that they remade are like forgotten like recently uh, i think maybe it was back in august i said i sat down and watched uh rewatch for the first time in a long time 13 ghosts oh it turns out that was a like movie from the 60s yeah, yeah, which I didn't even I didn't even know that until recently, you know, but uh, 13, you know, sometimes those long lay layover remakes, you know, like a 13 ghost, something that isn't like as classic or well received as, uh, you know, like a nightmare in Elm Street or one of these gigantic franchises. I think stuff like that works better in horror as far as the remakes goes. Oh, even a uh, movie too. uh the fly that was a remake right <laughs> yeah and like you know that's one of the things to where you know that is obviously uh you know the one from the 80s is probably 
a, a lot more well received than you know the original one. And same thing for John Carpenter's The Thing. That was a remake from something from the '60s, I believe. But you know, John Carpenter's The Thing is is the classic. I think that's what is what has made, um, like I said, kind of made horror. You had a, a kind of a resurgence of what it looked like to be in the late '70s, early '80s, and they were able to take a lot of these horror movies that just I don't know they didn't they didn't make a mark uh, until you know they were remade. Yeah, and I mean I think you know that's also the benefit of doing these things. You know, it's like uh, that stuff was like from a pre-internet age you know what i mean to where now like a lot of these classic things have found their audience and uh, there's like a subculture for it and uh, you know it's just it's just different times all right we've talked a lot about horror movies so i'm really happy we 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 got to cover a lot about that but let's start to wrap this show up and let's get into the fave five questions hey this is booker t five time champ and this is the fave five questions now can you dig it all right Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Let's go with um, question number one. Rank the fast food chicken nuggets between McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's. Um, I'm going, uh, you know, Burger King's got to be dead last. They're the worst chicken nuggets there are. Um, I'm going McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King. Um, I don't know. You know, I know that that may, may be a controversial ranking, but uh you know, I'm I'm going with the classics. McDonald's nuggets, they they were the OGs. They've been around longer, so they're getting the number one spot from me. The the real controversial ranking is ranking Burger King anywhere above three. <laughs> they're the worst ones. They're awful. I mean, they're they give you like twenty of them for ninety nine cents. It's just it's awful. The only person to rank them high was Derek, and I want to say it was because he was like, "Well, I'm, I've been saving money and like I've been budgeting, so we've been buying those," and I'm like. All right, no. but still not good. <laughs> no, they're not good. No, they're last place forever. And then you, which this is always uh, fascinates me. You and Wadsworth are uh, team no sauce. No sauce. No sauce. No condiments. No nothing. No lettuce. Yeah, you're no garnish. <laughs> That's it's so weird. But I, I've I've found okay. out I've found out through the time that there's a lot of people who are like you. I don't know. I mean. <laughs> I haven't found too many of them besides me and Wadsworth, to be perfectly honest with you, but uh, that's just how I, that's how I lived. I made it this long. Why change? I think because we're in the Midwest, or at least in Ohio, like almost everybody I know, or at least growing up, like everybody loved ketchup. And you're like, no, not even, not even that. Not even, <laughs> didn't even try it. <laughs> You've never tried ketchup? Never tried it. Damn. All right. Uh, question number two, favorite flavor of Pop-Tarts? <sighs> Uh, I I don't think I've had a pop tart since I was six years old. Uh, I don't even know what flavors of pop tarts there are. I was about to say there's no plain pop tarts. That's why I yeah. was wondering if I was going to actually ask that. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm going to have to go uh, with uh, I don't know. Can't answer. All right, I'll come up. I'll come up with a substitute one. This will. There's plenty of questions on this. Um, replacement number two. Favorite cereal. Uh, I'm not crazy about cereal, but. Uh, if I had to pick gun to my head, I'm going Frosted Flakes. That's a classic one. Frosted Flakes all day. Uh, question number three, pancakes or waffles? Ooh, pancakes. I, I like this place called the Original Pancake House by my house. I think it's a chain. I don't know. But they put bacon in the pancakes. It's about as exotic of a food that you'll ever catch me eating. That's interesting. I've never, 
Never heard of that before. It's, yeah, the the bacon is is cooked into the batter or something. I don't know. It's magic. Yeah, that sounds really good. Original pancake house. Seek it out. If I'm ever up there for breakfast, I think I'll I'll definitely do that. It's in Rocky River. Okay. All right. Question number question number four. Sheets or Wawa? I hate this argument. I think it's the <laughs> dumbest argument and wrestling Twitter lore. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, with that said, I'll go sheets. However, you gotta you gotta mention the Wawa cookies and cream milk. Mm-hmm. But that's really, I mean, like Wawa doesn't really have that many options. I don't know for I don't I don't want a bowl of meatballs or whatever the fuck they serve. But uh, I do like uh, the cookies and cream milk. I'll never forget the first time I stopped at uh, Wawa, and I had I had posted a picture of it was like I think I had a regular chocolate milk in my hand and a, a receipt for my sandwich. And I think it was you. Biggins might have been in the conversation too, but you were like, "You got to get the cho- the cookies and cream milk," and that was like the other milk that I had bought. So I so I, the best. so I automatically took a picture of that. And like anytime I'm in the area of a Wawa, that's what I look for. Like when I, we we went down to Orlando for uh, WrestleMania, I was excited that there were Wawas in the area, but they didn't have fucking cookies and cream milk, so I was pissed. the The two things I like from there, though, outside of that, is a barbecue cheesesteak sandwich. And I love uh, Sheets macaroni and cheese, and they all like Wawa also has macaroni and cheese, but they had them in bigger sizes. So I was like, oh, that's that's different. There's a Sheets right by my house, so <laughs> I don't know. I don't really go to it that often, to be honest. Like now that there's one so close to my house, which sounds kind of crazy, it used to be like a road trip thing. But I will say, I went there recently, and they got rid of the popcorn chicken off the menu. So uh, that's that's a real uh, that's a real negative negative mark in the in the sheets category all right question number five is die hard a christmas movie yeah absolutely there's people that think it's not i mean there's plenty of people there's people like myself that i mean i don't think you don't think it's a christmas movie okay i've I've explained this and listeners are probably tired of hearing it i when i say christmas movie i kind of mean more holiday movie and i don't think die hard is a holiday movie well, no, but, it's not a holiday movie, but it is a Christmas movie. Do you know what Biggin's favorite Christmas movie is? Uh, I'm if it's not that, I'm going to say uh, it's, it's either going to be Lethal Weapon or Rocky Four. No, neither. Both incorrect. Biggin's favorite Christmas movie is Reindeer Games, starring Ben Affleck. <laughs> the Pow Pow Safe. I don't think I've ever seen that movie, but I'm going to have to add that to my Christmas movie list this year. Seek it out, Reindeer Games, Ben Affleck. But yeah, I plays a guy named Nick. I I don't think it's like I don't put it in like the with, with Christmas movies. I don't play it on Christmas, but I would say at the end of the day, to each their own. Like if you want to watch it, that's fine. But I'm I'm just not playing it. But you can. What's your go, what's your go to Christmas movie then? Oh, Jingle All the Way. Oh, you're such like a fucking front runner, man. Come on, Jingle All the Way. I I have a Turbo Man, and my oh, my God. my second favorite after that is Home Alone Two. I mean, I love Home Alone 1 and 2, but I love Home Alone 2 because of the talk boy. So I know I told this story before, but I wanted the talk boy real bad that year. And uh, my grandma got me a talk boy, but it was a officially licensed Power Ranger talk boy. I thought I was, I thought that like I missed that Power Rangers, like I was too old when they hit the scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was, I was very offended by this kid's toy that my grandmother bought me for Christmas. And, uh, I threw that talk boy on the ground and I said, I didn't want it. 
and somebody else was giving that talk boy when I, after I threw my, threw my fit about being a, a young, a young 10 year old adult. Uh, and, uh, I never got my, I never got my talk boy. Oh, I love it. I, I rebought one. I had one, uh, one as a kid. I think I had two actually, cause I think I accidentally broke one of them, but yeah, I, I love, I love that kind of shit. But uh, I mean, what other than if it's not diehard, uh, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Me? Yeah. Um, Home Alone, I think Home Alone or uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I think those are the two, uh, you know, two classics for sure. I'm not a fan of Natural Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I think because I didn't really watch it all the way through till I was older. And it just, I don't know, it just didn't, it didn't hit me. Also, uh, I guess a a Dark Horse, uh, Trapped in Paradise with Nicolas Cage and John Lovitz. That's a... Uh, a, that's a snowy movie, and uh, the ref with Dennis Leary. That is a that is another that is a for sure every year watch around Christmas time movie for me is the ref with Dennis Leary. I've heard more and more people bring that up that movie up lately. Like when it comes it's, to Christmas, if you've movies. never seen it, it's excellent. Yeah, other than that, like the only other Christmas movie I I love that I can think of off the top of my head is uh, Santa Claus. I'm not crazy about it. I don't know. It's okay. I'm not. Uh, I'm not like big, big Christmas, Christmas guy, but, uh, yeah, I think home alone, Christmas vacation, the ref would be, you know, my, my three pillars of Christmas films. No black Christmas. No. And I hate a Christmas story. I hate it. I like it. But for me, that's a movie 364 days a year. I won't watch it, but I don't (laughs) mind watching it on Christmas when it's in the middle of the marathon other than that like i don't care yeah i'm not like it is what it is i I just i'm not i'm not crazy about christmas story i think that's really that's really the most overhyped i'll i I would put that dead last i'll watch jingle all the way before i watch that and i think jingle all the way is more of a front runner for my age group like it seems like a lot of people like me Dom, Koo, a, b- a bunch of other people I've interviewed. Like, if you're around my age, you're going to say Jingle All the Way. I remember watching it, I want to say fifth grade, right before uh, Christmas Vacation. Like, that was the the movie we watched, like, that day. And I, I just, I have so many memories of just because of that. And with it being, like, so close to Power Rangers. Like, yeah, like, I know, like, that's what my parents went through to give me Power Ranger shit. Yeah, like, uh... I'm just a little bit older than you guys, so that's why I think I go to Home Alone over that. Like, Home Alone was, like, the movie when I was a little kid. I mean, I I still love Home Alone. Like, I think uh, we have a tradition every other year we watch one of the two Home Alone movies. Like, obviously, one year it's one, the next year it's two, and then back and forth. I I love them both. I I pick two over one mainly because of the Talkboy, but there's still, like, a lot of Christmas stuff from that first one that I love, like... I love the the neighbor, the shoveler dude. Like, I think he's way more terrifying than the dove lady. Yeah, I, I think I, I I I'm not crazy about the second one. I mean, I like it, but uh, maybe it's because I didn't get that talk boy. I only got the Power Rangers <laughs> version. But uh, yeah, Home Alone one. That's I mean, that is the Christmas movie for me. All right, and uh, question number six. Uh, because this is the fave five questions in honor of Booker T. There are more than five. Uh, I want to go with you. Uh, where do we see the women's division in AIW going forward? I love the fact that within, you know, this past year 
or even within this year, we've added two two females and they're local. I think that's awesome. Um, you know, I don't know, honestly. Like it's like it's like everything else. Everything's kind of in flux right now. The women's division has been in flux for a long time. And um, you know, it's just uh women's the whole women's scene at the independent level has to rebuild, not just in AIW, but everywhere, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Even if you went and saw Shimmer at the Collective, it it was a much different Shimmer than the last time you've seen Shimmer. There's a lot of new talent that's that's coming up, but (laughs) there's not a lot of that superstar talent outside of, you know, Allison Kays and a few select people that are available right now. Um, So... I don't know what we're going to do. Obviously the pandemic isn't getting people those reps that they need um, for there to be a full on division, so to speak. But we have had, um, uh, we have the most female females training at the AW school ever right now, um, which is interesting, obviously uh, for the AW women's division or more women's matches uh, showing up in AW again. Um, I think the plan was we were going to introduce characters through to the overall audience like uh, Jocelyn and uh, Ziggy through valeting and um, let the normal audience get acquainted with them as featured players on the on the show as is without having matches um and then the plan was to then add on like uh, the winchester shows and these other shows to where we would be able to get them reps and get them in with more veteran girls in front of the aw audience and kind of slow burn it and see where it goes from there that's as far as it's been thought out to this point um there's no definitive, okay, Shane is going to ship the belt back. We're going to, you know, reintroduce the belt. We're going to do this, that, and the other. It's just kind of been like, I'll tell you, you know, we haven't even uh, covered it on the AW podcast because we took a couple weeks off. But when Jocelyn joined 40 Acres, that decision was made that morning uh, in Indianapolis. It wasn't a long term thing, it was something that I'd, I, I had decided on that morning as a way to introduce her and uh you know in a similar way of what we did with ziggy when she did the new talent initiative um we had her and uh derek try out the try out the unit in a dark match in akron right before the pandemic hit so it was kind of similar thinking let's introduce these characters and see how people take to them instead of just throwing them out there and have a match and, you know, you, you never know how that's going to go on top of there's not a lot of room on, you know, these shows, you know, uh, we just did these two shows. It's not like it, there was a lot of there was a lot of wiggle room to say, OK, we're just going to do this women's match with these two characters that have not really been featured on AW at all. So the plan was is just like, let's get them out there. Let's introduce them. Let's make people familiar then once things go back to normal, let's start getting them on shows sporadically <coughs> and doing some matches. And um, we'll see where it goes from there. Like, it's like anything else. Like we started with this podcast, like we're willing to be flexible and 
change and just feel things out and see how it goes. I think uh, that's the main thing I think we want is, or at least me, I would want just more matches or just being able to introduce stuff. We don't need to go with, you know, the, the belt just yet. We don't need to even go with girls night out just yet. But I think having some women local that can be plugged in on shows and that's not necessarily part of the bigger picture of a, a title or, or a, a whole show. I think that's, that's kind of like going to be a breath of fresh air. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, like it, it's just, it's very different and it's been different for a long time. You know, we've, it's kind of crazy to think that the majority of the girls that we had access to on a regular basis are now on Monday night raw for the most part. And, um, you know, it, you have to, you can't just go out there cold and just be like, here's a girl's night out. These are the girls that are left over. Some are very talented. Some are very inexperienced. Um, you know, so that's why we've just, uh, when Shayna left, we just kind of phased the division out and, you know, you'll get a women's match here and there. And, you know, you, we have Alley Cat, who is a regular on the roster who does matches against girls, guys, uh, everybody. So, um, it's just kind of like one of those things to where it was like it was girls just left at such a rapid, a rapid pace. You know, it's just like, let's not even worry about it for a while because this was going to, we knew that this was going to be going on for a while. So now that we have some girls that have signed up at the school and um, you know, that changes, that changes the priority on it a little bit because, you know, I think that we've proven that we are very dedicated to anybody that, that shows up at our school and trains at our school. And we always give our students opportunities. Uh, sometimes, you know, whether they deserve it or not, we're always uh, willing to, to, to go to bat for, for the people that come through our system. So the fact that we have multiple girls training right now, I would suspect that you would see more women's matches, uh, especially, uh, you know, when we do the Thursday night at the Winchester type things. And, um, you know, obviously through our, <laughs> working relationship with the UXWA, um, you know, uh, there were a lot of things kind of cooking before this whole pandemic started. All right, Thorne, any uh, final thoughts or last minute plugs before we go? I got no plugs, man. I mean, watch JIW on uh, IWTV or um, subscribe to our Patreon. Every little bit helps, even if it's, you know, just a buck a month, whatever you can do. Um and, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I have no, nothing to plug, no shows coming up. Um, I'm, uh, not really tweeting too much on my personal, <laughs> personal Twitter right now. Uh, just, uh, laying low, you know? So I don't know. I got nothing to plug. Just, uh, support AIW whenever we come back. And of course you can find myself at J Summers 330 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, much like you can find this show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, facebook.com slash wrestling cheers, twitter.com slash wrestling cheers, and instagram.com slash wrestling cheers email. If you so choose a desire, wrestling cheers at gmail.com, and we have the merch store over at whatamaneuver.net. Like I said earlier in the show, please rate, review, and subscribe your evolutionist fine podcast, whether it be Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Podbean, wrestling cheers.podbean.com. Check out our friends on the Trending Topics Network, such as All Beer Inside, Your Vision Showcase, the Spanish announce table and wrestling without the dude and check out our other non-podcast friends such as let the hate flow through you pod van dam super fantastic podcast it's evolution baby virtual pros the indie cast sobros network biff radio off the hop rope game marks podcast we like sports podcast 
Powerbomb Jitsu, Spotlight Series, Fully Posable, Doing the Favor, Positively Pro Wrestling, Row One, Seat One, IWTV Guide, At Odds with Wrestling, Marks with Mikes, Dark Match Podcast, and Porch Talk. Check out our other non-podcast friends such as Thrift Store Jobber, The Savage Dash, The Mystery Men, Mouse's Wrestling Adventures, Happy Hour with Steve Guy, The Co-Host Wrestling Show, Good Company, Toy Hio Toy Show, Time Capsule Toys, Stay Tough, Smoke a Jay's Barbecue, Wrestle Void, Midwest Territory, Southern Underground Pro, and the official graphic designer of Wrestling Cheers, Moy Boy Designs. And before we go, I want to give a really quick thank you to anybody who has been on this show or anybody who has shared, liked, retweeted, download, listened to this show, whatever it may be. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. 200 episodes is mind-blowing to me. I had the Ohio Indie Report for about three years, and we only put out like 30-some episodes. Here we are at 200 episodes, and the Ohio Indie Report to now, in my opinion, are a night and day difference of how the show is run and how the show sounds. I originally started off with a Logitech headset and went on Skype. Now we're still on Skype, but I have upgraded my set up a couple times and now i'm really proud of what we have here now we are a weekly podcast and i throw out bonus episodes episode 150 was christmas episode 200 is coming at the end of october that's not even 50 weeks we're not a podcast that gets a lot of numbers this isn't a podcast that sells a lot of shirts but what i do pride myself on is being consistent with when this show comes out and being consistent on the sound quality. This is not exactly a podcast that's going to get thousands of numbers every week. We are a niche of a niche of a niche of a niche of a niche. I'm happy with whatever and whoever downloads this podcast and enjoys what we do here. I don't know how much longer I'll be doing this, but for now, I'm going to keep doing this. So I guess that will do it for us here on Wrestling Cheers, where everybody knows your name especially on the 200th episode next week 201 later it's the wrestling cheers get up on your feet praying in your day in the middle of the week and you gotta love the show yeah you know it holds a title for the best podcast talking wrestling in ohio finishing a cold one take a load off we ain't all about the prohibition like josh so we cheers and then we sit back other shows are in the trash kind of like they nick stat like the name is matt justice wearing all the gold wrestling cheers is coming to a close the number one podcast going in the game and one day everybody's gonna know the name it's the wrestling cheers this is platinum max signing off ohio good night the world good night we love you we'll see you next week I haven't talked this much in a while. I keep having, like I keep <laughs> coughing because I'm I'm not used to talking so much. We haven't even podcasted in like three or four weeks. It's all right. I I got you on editing. Appreciate it.